On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me this podcast. Before continuing my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. First, it's the first episode of Potterless in December, and here at Potterless, we donate $1 for every member of our team over at patreon.com slash Potterless to a different charity. At the time of recording, we have 844 patrons, meaning that we'll be donating $844 to the Chilean American Foundation. I only recently learned about the protests going on in Chile thanks to a listener, Isabel, writing to me on Twitter and I am shocked and very upset that I didn't hear about it earlier. There's some truly ridiculous stuff happening between the Chilean government and its protesters, and I wanted to support the Chilean American Foundation because specifically their mission is focused on improving the quality of life and education for vulnerable children, which given the situation in Chile right now, the children, I can't even imagine what they are going through. So this charity has been around for over 29 years. They've helped over 12,000 children. They want to do more good stuff, especially in these hard times. So that's where we'll be donating. And if you want to learn more about them, you can go to chileusfoundation.org. And thanks to Isabel for reaching out. Second, we've been doing some really fun stuff over at the Discord for Potterless. If you aren't aware, if you're a $2 or above patron, you get access to the Potterless Discord where you can message me and a whole bunch of other lovely Potterless listeners and get involved in a bunch of fun stuff we're doing. We did a trivia night where I did not do very well, so the next time we do one, which is soon, I really want to have a better showing. We have a book club going on. We have a gift exchange happening for the holidays. There's so many fun things, so if you want to check that out, become a $2 and above patron at patreon.com slash potterless and check out the discord and finally speaking of patreon we have new patrons to welcome to the team so shout out to danielle guibold serge rodenbach daniela palamer nicole romeo lindsey christoph christine schumann amanda schroeder and the returns of elizabeth agathon colin nioy aaron anderson and tila her amazing wonder daughter and as always shout out to our producer level patrons Vicky, Aaron, Jesse, Natalie, Cloud, Frank, Marchismo, Samantha, Juan, Abid, Rose, Marie, Marie, Lisa, Romina, Kamel, Audra, Eleanor, Rossanne, Nikita, Taylor, Ali, Amelia, Sarah, Ben, Rachel, Zachary, Orchid, Vivian, Takari, Haley, Moster, Angelina, Caitlin, Grace, Raul, Ingen, Mari, Alex, John, Noel, Tao, Emily, Robin, Will, Liz, Brandon, Sarah, Claire, Rory, Gloria, Sarah, Patrick, Aliket, Veronica, Lada, Noah, Tracy, Colleen, Jennifer, Friday, Ivor, Naomi, Tyler, Summer, Heather, Vera, Carrie, Andrea, Ella, Anthony, David, Lisa, Lynn, Cameron, Justin, Christine, Jacob, Toothless, Maya, Mark, Polly, Netta, Remy, Sarah, Nona, Zena, Harlan, Noelia, Addie, Brian, Jenny, Nikki, Cara, Courtney, Kine, Amanda, Sabrina, Alicia, Kafir, Lindy, Martha, Benjamin, Sarah, Marta, Stephanie, Justin, Aaron, CJ, Eileen, Violet, Kat, Lindsay, Fielding, Keegan, Miranda, Gail, Mr. Folk, Adam, Christina, Maya, Zachary, Kieran, Heaven, Christy, Lily, Wire Warrior, Floor, Siri, Georgia, Itzel, Topher, Peter, Candy, Skyla, Adele, Professor, Threat, Kelsey, Lubin, Malayo, Lena, Daniel, Lee, 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 Elizabeth, Abby, Liga, Michael, Earmuffs, Kara, Tiffany, Kelly, Nadia, Carrie, Jamie, Camillo, Connie, Mary, Emos, Anastasia, Jaden, Nedry, Matt, Riley, Will, Zephyr, Brett, Samantha, Kayla, Lauren, Aurora, Emma, Hermani, Megan, Out of Context, Liam, Melena, Marcos, Ella, Hannah, Courtney, Victoria, Marique, Ashton, Brittany, Phelan, Julie, The Meadows Family, Jennifer, Anna, Fake, Brianna, Karu, Teru, Sarah, McKenna, Six, Awkward, Nine, Anthony, Peter, Heather, Dead Cat, Lady, Javi, Darlene, Brad, Thomas, Charlotte, Brianna, Kevin, Lori, Patrick, Chrissy, Alex, Bugaboo, Jarl, Haley, Emma, Ashley, Peter, Sophie, Jack, Jan, and T-Pixel Guy, Nicole, Out of Context, Callahan, Kylo, Leah, Melissa, Steamed Nuggets, and Can't I Potter? Who never forget to download tickets to a sporting event before they get to the ticket gate, meaning that they don't have to waste time downloading an app and then downloading the tickets. If you want to be like one of these amazing patrons and get access to bonus content, such as bonus episodes, director's commentary, exclusive live streams, discounts on the merch store, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Potterless. But without further ado, let's get into episode 104 of Potterless, the first of three parts of covering Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix movie, guest starring Daniel Kinnaman and Jakiva Phillips. Hello, Internet, 
and welcome back to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a grown man who never read the Harry Potter books as a kid. He finished them as an adult, and now he's watching the movies. My name is Mike Schuber. I'm that grown man, and I'm here joined today by two lovely human beings that I did a ton of improv with in Seattle. It is Jakeva Phillips and Daniel Kinneman. Jakeva and Daniel, how's it going? Good. It's going great. We have wine right now. That's right. We got wine. Yeah. We got roses. Yes. So this talk is going to be deep. It's going to be real deep. Uh, we are ready to Harry Potter with you. That's very good. I had a cider earlier today. I'm currently drinking water, and I have a fake plant next to me. So perfect. We're all on the same page. We'd here. make Mrs. Sprout <laughs> proud. <laughs> Professor was, Sprout, you know, would love she likes us. plants and booze. Yep. <laughs> She's got to be growing some stuff. She's got like a whole little different hop thing where she's making her old home brew in one of the greenhouses that mm-hmm. she's using just for herself. She's got to be doing that. Yeah, oh, yeah, students. totally. Totally. Uh, that's actually J.K. Rowling wrote a whole bunch of that like on a napkin. <laughs> and then like she actually wrote it in the original manuscript, but then they all told her to take it out. Oh. It's a kid-friendly yeah. experience. <laughs> but if you watch the movie backwards, <laughs> it says Panoma Sprout brewed her own... She made a stout beer, called it Panoma Stout. Oh, oh. <laughs> she likes stouts. We can't hang. <laughs> oh no! Then we could totally hang. Yeah, weird beer guy Daniel here. No, you're you're typical Seattleite with your IPAs. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I'm a stout boy. I don't like IPAs because I'm a tiny baby boy, and I think drinking bread is gross. <sighs> Gotta go. No, no. So here's my. So stouts actually can be pretty hefty, and they don't mm-hmm. taste like earwax. Is what I think IPAs taste like. They yeah, taste chocolatey and delicious. Well, anyway, I hope everyone's enjoyed this beer podcast. We've rebranded, <laughs> but what we are actually here to talk about today is the fifth movie of the Harry Potter film series, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. And this is an interesting one, folks. I enjoyed. The beginning of the movie, and then it got to the end of the book, which the way that the book works is it's too long, Mm -hmm. and (laughs) I only like the end of it. And this movie was good until it got to the end, the parts that I like, and then they just decided to screw everything up for no reason. Oh, yeah. And I got really frustrated. My heart goes out to the filmmakers of this movie because it is the longest Harry Potter book and maybe the most challenging. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I feel bad for them, but they blew it! (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This movie's no good! It's it's a solid eh. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not bad. Like, it doesn't hurt my soul. Yeah. But it doesn't like maybe go, oh, fuck yeah, by the end of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Here's how mm-hmm. I think of this movie. Did you guys ever read a novel made from a movie or vice versa, but in the very center of the book? It's the book version. In the center of the book, they have the glossy pages with pictures yes. from the movie. Yes. yes yeah. Yes. This is like... A movie made from just looking at those glossy <laughs> pictures in the center. It's like, I don't know. We went, uh, Hagrid's in it. We went to Hogwarts. What more do you people want? There's some orbs. The Festrals at the are end. now a main character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. It's really interesting. I didn't. I didn't do any like research onto like what the people who did the movie think, just because like. I don't know, like, that's a rabbit hole I don't like to go down. But I'm curious about, like, what J.K. Rowling or, like, the rest of the cast thinks about doing that particular one because it did just seem to be really lackluster. Yeah, though I heard that J.K. Rowling was like, 
I just want to see a good movie. Do whatever you want to do. And they're like, okay, here's kind of what I'm thinking. They're like, and she was like, uh, you got to put more creature in this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You're going to be yes. screwed. Yeah. That's one of the few notes I know that JK had in it was that they didn't put creature in at all. And she was obviously writing the later books. She was like, he's going to become very important. Please put him in the movie. Yeah. And then he's in two scenes and he says the same thing in both scenes. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if the voice actor just did one line and they were like, well, yep, use it twice. <laughs> he's got like more lines than Ron. Oh, yeah. That was another thing. <laughs> thing that was weird in the movie was I just felt like the relationships were lacking and like there's like that whole moment where like Ron and Hermione are like they're sitting by the fireplace with like Harry and then like she's like cracking a joke with him and Mm -hmm. I was like that joke just falls flat because like it's unearned from the rest of Mm. like the movie where it's like they didn't have camaraderie they just had this sort of like stiff wooden sort of relationship where like Ron gives a quippy one-liner and then like she shuts him down and it's like that's not I don't know. It just didn't feel like them. Yeah. Well, I like this book because Harry is just an absolute turd in the book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that... I mean, he's got PTSD, but still a turd. I, yes. He's a turd with an <laughs> asterisk. Uh, but, so he's, he's having a, a bad time. He's a turd with an asterisk. <laughs> Harry is in a bad mood and takes it out on people. And I was a moody teenager when I read this, or maybe in college, but still moody. And I appreciated that aspect of it. Now it all, like, Harry isn't particularly moody in the films. Not and really, they just kind no. of, like, pay homage to it. It's like, yeah. hey, Harry, it's Ron and Hermione. And they, instead of being like, oh, boy, we're so excited to see each other. It's like, oh, hey, guys, <laughs> you can infer what's going on in my brain, but I'm not going to say it. Yeah. Well, let's go into the actual movie before we begin, just so the listeners are aware, because of our one person who's read the books and seen the movies format and one who hasn't. So, Daniel, you've read the books. Yeah. You've seen the movies, all of that. Jakiva, where does your Harry Potter fandom lie? I'm pretty sure you've only seen the movies. What's your background with the whole series? So the first book came out when I was in fifth grade. And so during snack time, because you've got to have snack time in fifth grade. Of course. Our teacher read the first book out loud to us. So like, that's what I, are you shaking your head at me, Daniel? I'm nodding. Oh, okay. I'm like, I thought that was time, a disapproving Snack time was great. Yeah. So the first book was read out loud to me. And I never read the rest of them, not because I didn't appreciate it, but because I'm a dark person and they just weren't dark enough for me. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was watching Child's Play when I was like eight. So oh my I was gosh. Like, I, was, <laughs> I was like, this is too like happy-go-lucky for this guy. Voldemort doesn't have shit on Chucky. <laughs> he doesn't. <laughs> So I only I only am familiar with like the first book. I watched a lot of the movies, but not necessarily in order. Okay, that's fine. Oh, uh, uh, this is just a fun fact to share. But every time I take one of those like Harry Potter quizzes, mm-hmm. I always get like equal parts Ravenclaw and Slytherin. Yeah, that's right. I can see it. Yep, I would have guessed that easily. <laughs> that's what you are, though. <laughs> you know what? You have great ambition and you're smart. Okay, right. nice there way to go. put it. Because yeah. I was like, I'm not evil. <laughs> Everybody always goes, you are evil. I'm like, no. You're just cunning. I'm just cunning. That's don't a good word. Put up with people. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Daniel, are you, what are you? Oh, I'm half Gryffindor, half Hufflepuff, but let's be honest, all Hufflepuff. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Yeah. Okay. I'm yeah, I'm uh, I'm the healer class. <laughs> Uh, I'm there when you need me, but, uh, you know, can't do much on my own. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, everybody needs one. I don't know. I I give you more Gryffindor than Hufflepuff. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I'm too scared. (laughs) I need my brave friends to stand up for things for me. 
don't worry, you've got me, the most Gryffindor you're allowed to be legally. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. going to say, you're a total Gryffindor. Yeah, Mike has to witness <laughs> as I get killed in a hedge maze or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that's what happened to Cedric, right? It's been a while. Yep, that's what went down. Okay. Oh, poor yeah, Jakeevi, you should have got back on board. People start dying in the fourth. You would have loved it. I did really <laughs> like Prisoner of Azkaban. I liked Prisoner of Azkaban a lot, um, mm-hmm. which is why I was very excited to watch Order of the Phoenix. I was like, ooh. Now, did you like Prisoner of Azkaban or do you just like Gary Oldman and want to do things to Gary Oldman. Um, okay, to be clear, uh, <laughs> I don't want to do things to Gary Oldman. I want to do things to Sirius Black as portrayed mm. by Gary Oldman. Makes sense, makes sense. But I do love Gary Oldman as an actor. I actually genuinely like Prisoner of Azkaban, not just because Gary Oldman is so bangable in that one. It's not. It's not. It's <laughs> mostly not because of that. <laughs> this has been... Jakiva's hot fictional characters corner. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and with I got that a segment list. complete, we can talk about the movie. <laughs> so the movie starts right away. It wastes no time. It cuts to the chase with the ominous title cards of Warner Brothers and Harry Potter. And it's creepy. And they're playing Hedwig's theme and everything and go through in slow motion. And then they cut to the scene where Harry and Dudley are in the park and it's very hot yeah it's very hot and you get the great british weather broadcast and i think this is so funny because they say what the temperature is in celsius something like oh it's it's 40 degrees celsius and then the broadcaster goes that's mid 90s fahrenheit which would never happen in real life ever (laughs) that would never happen in the world i wrote that in my notes uh like that's that's 90 degrees for all you yanks listening (laughs) my british accent get ready for more that was a thousand percent done just because this is a movie with a large American audience, but I just thought it was so funny because that would never happen. Uh, see, I was sitting there and he's like, it's 30 degrees. I'm like, it's not snowing. It looks very warm. Yeah, it's perfectly fine. <laughs> so thank God he clarified it. Imagine if that seeped into life in other ways. You're watching a baseball game. It's like, oh, he hit that 400 feet. That's 800 meters for all you Europeans watching. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to make MLB big in Europe. <laughs> Hey, editing Mike here just with some metric system checks. First, 40 degrees Celsius is 104 degrees Fahrenheit, and 400 feet is about 122 meters. I was way off on that one. Clearly, I'm American. Anyway, back to the podcast. So the one thing that I will say about the opening that I really, I appreciated, and that's kind of like what Daniel was talking about via Facebook Messenger earlier, mm-hmm. about like it seems like oddly timely for like how old it is, oh, like yeah. in terms of like what's going on right now. And like, uh-huh. and so just like uh-huh. the relentless bullying, mm-hmm. like in that opener, and I was like, dude, that's pretty like messed up some of the things they're saying to like Harry. And it's just like so cruel, but like so casually cruel mm-hmm. that I was like, okay, maybe this is my 2019 brain looking at this from 2007. Mm -hmm. But it is just, it's a very interesting take on like, oh man, like Harry's been through a lot and you would think that people would be kinder to him, but throughout the movie, they're not. Oh yeah, not Dudley especially. (laughs) Yeah, not Dudley especially. And it's just a really, I don't know, it's a very interesting thing to like look back on and just be like, oh man, that bullying's like pretty hardcore. Yeah. Yeah, he takes the Malfoy approach to bullying. Malfoy does this in the books and the movies where he doesn't really have creative insults. He just right away is like, hey, your mom's dead, right? (laughs) What? (laughs) 
ah, come on, guy. So, yeah, right away. So, yes, they have this scene. There's something in the book that I think is very fun that they've cut is there's an opening scene where Harry is overhearing Vernon watch the news and him and Vernon get into a back and forth. And at one point, Harry gets to make a sassy joke about how the news is different every day. <laughs> Vernon's like, why do you always watch the news? He's like, well, it's different every day. That's why they call it the news, you dingus. That kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> very sad that that was omitted from the film. So I was watching this movie on a very legal streaming website because we have a million streaming services in the world. Shout out to Disney Plus, which just came out mm. yesterday. And there, none of them have the Harry Potter movies on them unless you live in not America. Oh. But because of this very legal website I was watching them on, they have the subtitles on and I couldn't turn them off. So I watched the whole movie with subtitles. And when Harry is at the park before the confrontation happens, a mother is leaving with her child. And the subtitles say that the mom says, come on, we have to go home. And then the kid goes, aw. And the mom says, quote, I'll make your favorite dinner to compensate, which I think is the <laughs> best line of dialogue I've ever heard of in my life. Hmm. <laughs> Two favorite dinners. <laughs> <laughs> I hear your compensation request, mother, but I must raise you a second of my favorite dinners with dessert. <laughs> <laughs> now, the funny thing is, like, is it to compensate for them going home and not seeing the bullying? Like, what are we compensating yeah. for? Yeah. Can we talk about Dudley? He has gone full chav in yeah. this film. <laughs> My next line of notes was Dudley's outfit is so mid-2000s and I love it. The reflective tank top, the red shirt underneath the necklace. I am in love. Yeah, he's got like the track pants and a medallion. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> noticed that. I was like, wait, aren't they supposed to be all British? Yeah. But they looked like really, I don't know, their outfits were kind of a little thuggy. <laughs> well, I was listening to you do the first chapter of the book, Mike, and Dudley mm. is described as like being a menace in as much as he's running around screaming at cars and throwing rocks at people. <laughs> and they yeah. definitely cooled him up a little bit compared to that. They make him less of a public disturbance and more of just a mean kid. Yeah. So he's given a bunch of grief to Harry. I will say, especially compared to the fourth movie, Daniel Radcliffe's haircut as Harry in the fifth movie, huge improvement. Oh, yeah. His hair is so much better in this one. Oh my gosh, what a glow up. Yeah. yeah, that's like sort of the Daniel Radcliffe we all like know and love now, right? It's like, mm -hmm. it's like once they got that haircut, everybody's like, yes, finally you look the way you're supposed to look. <laughs> look, it takes all of us time. I used to have a bowl cut and we've, we're, we're through it. My hair's really good now. Yeah. It is. Your hair's pretty amazing now. Thank but yeah, I remember you showed me a picture of you with a bowl cut and I was like, oh God, who's that dweeb? <laughs> bowl cut was bad. I had a mushroom cloudish looking haircut in college. Yeah, I looked like Guile yeah. from Street Fighter where it just like went out. <laughs> Not good. I went through a lot of bad hair situations to be the hair person I am today. And you know what? It made me stronger. It really makes you stronger. Whereas I've just had a middling haircut my entire life and that'll never change. Until I'm bald. <laughs> That's the one big change on my horizon. <laughs> I've always had fabulous hair, but like not the best hair accessory choices. Um, so I used to wear a bowler hat for oh, a no, while. Jakeva. Why would you do that to your brain? Don't don't diss me, bowl cut. <laughs> Why would you hide it in a bowler? <laughs> I don't know. Because <laughs> I was really into the cure. Yeah, there you go. That'll do it. <laughs> 
Oh, man. Well, see, look, we've all learned from our mistakes, and here we are today. More attractive people. And about to get to the first line of the movie. (laughs) We're getting, hey, I'll make your dinner to compensate is the most, it's the first and most important line in the entire series. So this playground is so strange to me because it is in the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's acres upon acres upon acres away from the next tree when they're running away from it. But also, as the weather gets worse and the Dementors come in, why is there so much trash? There is debris everywhere all over this park. Yeah. Maybe that's metaphorical in some way. Mm. I mean, Dementors are bad and they make you upset. So like, we're going to put bad things that make you upset on screen, like litter. (laughs) I think it was more of, we have to show that it's windy. So we have to have physical... (laughs) representation of the wind. Hey, hey, y'all, do they have tumbleweeds in England? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I don't think so, boss. Oh, well, how are we going to show it's windy? I got an idea. Go, 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 go on. How about we take go some Go on, of that David trash. Yates, director of the film. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Eureka! <laughs> He's done it again. Promotions for everybody. So Dudley starts making fun of Harry. Then the Dementors start to come in. All of Dudley's friends leave because they're a bunch of chickens. I yeah. did. I noticed that. I was like, dude, you're like punking out real hard. <laughs> <laughs> so then Dudley and Harry run away together. And then eventually they get confronted by the Dementors. And then the, one of the Dementors puts Harry in a chokehold. Uh, a chokehold does seem not very magical and more like street brawly. Yeah. <laughs> right. One was setting up to do the people's elbow. <laughs> <laughs> So this whole scene is done a little bit differently in the books. It's there's more of a back and forth between Harry and Dudley in the books and there's more of a confrontation. Dudley makes more fun of Harry for being a wizard. Harry gets punched in the face. There's all this other different things going on and I feel like you lose a little bit of the Harry versus Dudley element from it, which makes me a little sad and they're just really trying to hit the viewer with Dementors are here. Dementors are scary. Dementors, 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 which I guess makes sense, but I feel like you lose a little bit of the nuance of Harry and Dudley's relationship here. I feel like that's every scene in this movie. They're just whipping through it. They're like, Mm -hmm. and check, check the box. Dementors showed up. Next scene, next scene. (laughs) (laughs) Also, this is more of a cinematography thing, but I noticed that um, a lot of the shots in the movie are more like two shots or like mediums. Ah. And typically that's a bit more reserved than like more intense close-ups. But like the closer the camera is, the more you identify with the subject, right? And Mm -hmm. so um, having more intense close-ups, especially in the beginning, would really put you in like Harry's mindset and his feelings and also throughout the rest of the movie when like things are getting really intense or even like earlier and I was mentioning with Ron and Hermione, like a lot of that emotional stuff could be fixed up if we had more intense close-ups on things. And so I think that's why sometimes it feels like things are just glossed right over is because just cinematography-wise, it's really pulled back. Mm. And yes, of course, there are times where things are in close-up, but I think in general, the movie feels like a bit removed from like where the camera rests and what's happening. Mm, it's like uh, we're moving the game pieces around the board. Yeah, 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 as opposed to like being on the board, mm-hmm. so to speak. I'm so glad I have smart friends because I don't know what any of this means. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did go to film school. And I Ooh. do hang out with Jakiva. <laughs> So there's the whole Dementor scene. They escape. Mrs. Fig comes in, helps him out, blah, blah, Who blah. Who is Mrs. Fig? I don't know. I don't know. I was going to ask Yeah, you they that. don't explain it very well because you're supposed to learn more about who she is in the trial. That's the whole thing is when you're reading the book, you're confused. Who's Mrs. Fig? And then in the trial, you learn more. But in the movie, they just forgot that part. Mm. So you're just confused the whole time of why she's important. Jagiva, Mrs. Fig is 
a neighbor that lives on Harry's street, and she is a squib, meaning that she has magical parents, but she is not able to do magic, even though she should be, because she has wizarding blood in her. So she is one of a few people that over the summer was supposed to look over Harry and keep him safe. Her, as well as Mundungus Fletcher, who is just completely omitted from the film, were supposed to be watching over Harry. And a reason why this happened was it was supposed to be Mundungus's shift to look over Harry. And he just wasn't there because you later learn that Mundungus is kind of this strange, sketchy character that's into like selling cauldrons on the black market for wizards <laughs> and stuff. He sells black cauldrons on the black market. <laughs> Pretty much. Okay, sorry, time out. This is just a brief interlude. <laughs> but I just got to say, I f- the one of the things I love the most about like the whole Harry Potter verse are just the names. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I'm yeah. like, J.K. Rowling, I don't know what's going through your brain when you like, but I love all of the names that happen in this Harry Potter universe. I'm very excited to get to the names of a few characters that were removed from the film, which is happening in one of the soon coming scenes to talk mm. about. So get ready Ooh, for that. I'm ready for it. <laughs> but um, no, it, it wasn't very clear. And like she did mention in passing, like I was sent to watch over you and I was like, cool. I heard that, but like it just seems so <laughs> abrupt and weird. And it was like, why are you here? It kind of, it was one of those things like I think, especially by the time they got deeper into the movies, and this is my theory, that um, they knew, quote unquote, who their audience was. Mm-hmm. So like they were playing to the people who had probably already read the books and like were probably thinking that they can fill in the blanks themselves, right? So they don't have to explain. Mrs. Fig, right. because if you read the books, you would just know, right? And that's one way to do it, but in the same breath, it's like maybe somebody's introduction into the Harry Potter world is through the movie, so you do have to take the time to explain that. Because yeah. I definitely yeah. thought this whole movie, to Daniel's point, was like just a lot of the highlights of the book and not actually the book. She's also like, she's not in the fourth book. She's new. She's in the beginning and never comes up again. Mm-hmm. And also doesn't really save Harry. Like he already Patronuses himself and then yeah. is never seen. Yeah. She's like a Chekhov's Mrs. Fig that was just left <laughs> on the mantle. <laughs> never to be touched again. I got to say, watching these movies in the theater when they were coming out probably had to be the most frustrating experience because if you brought anybody that hadn't read the book, you had to have had tons of people asking like, wait, who's this? And then someone else saying, oh, that's Mrs. Fig. <laughs> She's the squid name. A squid means that Who's this guy? Parents. Projectionist, pause the movie. Okay, everybody, we got some explaining to do. <laughs> Buckle up. This is who Mrs. Fig is. Welcome to my TED Talk. Resume the movie. <laughs> So after the scene, you have Daniel Radcliffe, Harry Potter, carrying Dudley, quote unquote, big air quotes here, because Dudley is bigger than Harry. And you can tell that the actor playing Dudley is just walking and Harry's (laughs) barely under his arms, but he's supposed to act like he's carrying him over his shoulder, but he's not at all. It looks so silly, Uh, but I loved it. I absolutely loved it. (laughs) So, okay, wait. So question, Mm -hmm. as somebody who like, only knows I would say forty percent of Harry Potter lore at best. Sure. What do it seems like Dementors just like scramble your brain and like steal your soul or your essence? Like what's going on? What's going yeah? On there? There's twofold things. Basically, when they come in, they make everything around them cold and dark and scary. Mm-hmm. And then as they get close to you, your brain is just filled with only negative thoughts. 
And then eventually what they would like to do is suck out your soul via the Dementor's Kiss, which is this thing where they basically remove your soul from your being and then you're just a vegetable of a person. Okay. okay. And they're used by the good guys. <laughs> <laughs> They are. They're an implement of law enforcement. No, no, I I believe you. I just like the way you said that was like, and the good guys use these ones. I sensed that, but also I was like, I'm just, I wanted some clarification. Because also homeboy looked real cross-eyed like after like. Oh, mm -hmm. Dudley? Yeah. He looked specifically yumpy. (laughs) That's that's my next note. So, yes, we get eventually to the scene where Dudley is returned to Vernon and Petunia. Vernon also looks a little rough. Yeah, yeah. oof. Like, he was so red. And I mean, I know he's British, but geez, those teeth. <laughs> and he looked a little wall-eyed himself. So I was like, is that a family trait? that They just have weird eyes? I don't know. Mm. Watch it again. Like His eyes are weird. Mm. Anyway. But then, yes, his quote about Dudley, which I took note of, was that our boy has gone yumpy. Vernon, I've got bad news for you. Your boy's been yumpy all along. <laughs> is yumpy, is that a real phrase? I looked it up. There's no need to call the British correspondent this week. Uh, that's what I was about to do. <laughs> sorry, nope, sorry, you're off the hook. Uh, I looked it up. It is made up for the movie. Oh, wow, okay. Sorry, is it, it in the books? Or, I, I don't know. It's like a turn of phrase invented by J.K. Rowling or something, but... It's not like a common British slang. Okay. All right. Well, thanks to our substitute UK correspondent, Daniel Kim. Uh, that's me. Do I make you Randy? <laughs> a little more British. A little more British. That's a, that's a 10 out of 10 for me. <laughs> You've done it. You've done it. Uh, so they also change a thing here where in the book, you get a fun scene where when they are describing the Dementors, Petunia, the mom, she knows what they are. And this gives you this weird insight when you're reading the books of how did Petunia know that? And then there's a little insight where she says that horrible boy talked about them and you're supposed to think this is James. And then later on you learn through a reveal in the seventh book that it's actually Snape. Uh And then there's another scene when the letters come in that Dumbledore writes a letter to Petunia. So in the book, you get this fun thing in the intro where you start to wonder if Petunia is more important than just Harry's bad stepmom character. Mm -hmm. And in the movie, it's just, she's just there. But then also, why is she wearing the shortest dress possible with a garter on her leg? <laughs> when did, I don't remember um, this being in the first four movies. Excuse me, why are you movies. body shaming? I'm yeah, not body shaming, it's it just feels, it, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's not that she looks bad, it's just very, this was not how she looked in the first four movies. I don't know why David Yates, who we have now established, is from Kentucky. I don't know why David Yates came in and he was like, you gotta put her in a smaller dress. I think the actual answer is, is that it's like supposed to be so overwhelmingly hot outside. Oh. I think that's the idea. Oh, okay. see, I didn't do that at all. But he, Because she's fanning herself, and that really bothered me because they're like running from the Dementors like through puddles and shit. It's all wet out, mm-hmm. and then immediately cut to like, lordy, is it? hot in here. Well, yeah, that's because David Yates is from the South where it just pours <laughs> yes. rain even though it's really hot. Now pretend like you've got the vapors. <laughs> okay, your Southern's a little bit better. <laughs> Maybe this was like Petunia's character development, right? Mm. Like, you know, the relationship has gone south, the first couple books, uh, fifth book, they're trying something different. Yeah, she's, she's wearing some back. sexy outfits. <laughs> she's trying to spice it up. She's just trying to catch Vernon's eye. Yeah, I mean, don't you want to catch that pasty potato body. <laughs> now, now this is the Harry Potter fan fiction I would read. Oh my god, 
God. Okay. So I was hanging out with um, a friend of mine who's also a fellow improviser who was with CSE Seattle. I'm torn off. And we were talking about Harry Potter fanfic. And apparently there's like Dobby and Hagrid fanfic. Sure. Of course. I want muggle, muggle fanfic. <laughs> muggle on muggle action. <laughs> muggle on muggle action. Uh, so the next scene, we have the advanced guard come in. And this is the wizards that come in to break Harry out and bring him to Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. And I'm very excited because this is the first instance of Kingsley Shacklebolt. Oh, yeah. The awesome. Uh, he's so fantastic in the books. He's fantastic in the movie. <laughs> I love his outfits. They're so great. Big fan of Kingsley. But the rest of the roster is a little bit different. So in the movie, they have left out a few people and get ready for these names, Chikiva. They've left out Lupin. Fine. But they've also left out Daedalus Diggle. <laughs> Sturgis Podmore and Hestia Jones. Hest- Hestia Jones here. <laughs> Hestia Jones. Are you ready for me? <laughs> Baby. <laughs> <laughs> Why are there so many else powers efforts? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's the only other British thing we know. Yeah, no need for the British correspondent, like I said. <laughs> <laughs> Although that name, it's too much. Hestia Jones. Mm. Oh, I want to say that all the time. <laughs> Okay. So they've changed it up. They've added in Elpheus Doge, who comes in oh. later movies, as well as Emmeline Vance. But they don't have any lines. They're just there, mm. in addition to Moody and Tonks. Mm. Doge coins. <laughs> Cut that out. No, I'm leaving it in. I'm no. leaving it in. Your 2013 humor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I appreciated Mad-Eye Moody's American Chopper broomstick. <laughs> Did you notice that? He had no. the stirrups way down low. He was riding his hog. No, I did not notice that. Over. He's like hanging onto the handlebars that are way above his head. <laughs> he looks cool. I, I love the that. different things they changed for Moody. There's later on when they have the fight scene in the ministry. His wand has just become his walking stick. He yeah. just bangs it on the ground and it shoots a spell out of it. Because, you know, that's his wand See, now. this movie doesn't give two hoots about the rules of magic. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm like... Just anything can be a wand now. Yes. And don't, I, I'm keeping the comments about people turning into smoke inside my oh, body right so now. Oh, it's so bad. We'll get <laughs> you to it. We'll get to it. So bad. But here's something that they do that's buck wild. They get Harry. They go out of the house. And then they're getting their brooms. They all stand in a perfectly horizontal line. And <laughs> yeah. they all stick their arms out. And all of their brooms fly into their hands. Just like we practice, team. <laughs> Here's the problem. First, it is way too coordinated. But second, they're standing in the middle of the road. So you're telling me that these guys fly to the house, leave all of their brooms in the grass across the street, and then walk into the Dursley's house and break Harry out and just hope no one takes their brooms? Yeah, well, you can't, You got to do that if you want to leave with style. I mean, it looked really cool, but it made no sense. Maybe it's like Thor's hammer, though. Like, maybe they put. maybe they didn't put the brooms in a perfect thing maybe they hid the brooms and just when you reach your hand out the broom comes mm, to yeah. you they just it's all, like a mjolnir situation they all threw it on the neighbor's roof <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they get on the brooms they all fly and in the book they do this thing that you know makes sense they fly really high and in the clouds intentionally that's to no make fun. sure that they aren't seen by muggles because the statute of secrecy is important but no, no, no. In the movie, they fly right next to a boat yeah. <laughs> for no reason. They're like, hey, why don't we fly our brooms in front of like two thirds of the tourist <laughs> attractions in London? So, so here's the thing that I thought about, and you can actually clarify this for me, because the whole thing was like Harry like got expelled because like he practiced magic in front of a muggle, blah, blah, right. blah, right? But 
is the neighborhood Harry's in totally magic? No. Because I was like, he's getting like shit on for doing that, but they're all in a line like levitating brooms to them and then flying off into the night. And isn't that in violation of what they're talking about? They got their driver's licenses. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah, you have to have they a got license. Their, their magic. Well, they're license. over 17, though. Right. Is that the stipulation? That's part of the stipulation. But then also, you're not supposed to do things that put the statute of secrecy, what makes wizards unknown to muggles. You're not supposed to put that at risk. And in the book, they take steps to avoid that. They use this device called the put outer, or if you're wrong, the deluminator. And that <laughs> takes lights away from street lamps. So they do more things. And the whole reason that they fly in the clouds so people don't see so in the books it's more of a thing that they have to stay away and out of sight yeah 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 but the movies they just don't care about it as much yeah but what i'm saying is isn't that whole thing like them standing in a line oh, and like yeah. getting their brooms and launching off it's, that's that's because they're not 17 oh okay all right okay got it but it's also very dumb that they're yeah it's very okay. silly <laughs> it's, like, it's pretty obvious <laughs> so the next scene is when they go to grim old place and I imagine this differently. I always thought that it was a house that kind of came up between a gap between two houses, whereas in the movie, it's a big apartment building that just kind of shifts over. And I don't know if that was just my brain or if that was written, but I feel like that was done a little bit differently in the movie. But it still looks kind of cool. Yeah. But it does take a long time, mm -hmm. which felt unnecessary. I was bothered that the muggles watching TV had like the water in their fish tank burbling around because mm -hmm. the house was moving and they didn't know. I don't know. It seems like there'd be an easier spell, but who, uh, the wizard pedant Daniel here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, isn't there like a recreation of Grimald Place and Universal Studios? There is, and there's a little creature that hides behind one of the windows and once every however many minutes he peeks out from behind the curtain. I think he like says something if you knock enough. Uh, he's up there. Maybe he mumbles some yeah. racist jargon under his breath. No, filthy mudbloods. Blood traitors. Well, you would know because you had the subtitles on yeah. during the video. That's true. That's true. I did. I saw all of the subtitles. Then Harry eventually goes in. They're having the fancy meeting. Molly sends him upstairs and he goes into the room where Ron and Hermione are. And this has just become a thing in the movies now where Hermione's trademark is that she gives Harry this far too violent hug every time mm -hmm. where she just mobs him with a hug. Mm -hmm. And I get that it's kind of cute. But it is strange knowing that Ron and Hermione get together and Harry and Hermione don't have any sort of romantic interest because it's a bit intense of a hug. Ron has to internally not enjoy every time Hermione says hello to Harry because oh, yeah, it always yeah. feels like too much. Like every other book, they hate each other. Valid, valid. <laughs> it is every You're other book. you talking about Ron and Hermione? Ron and Harry. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. They pretty much alternate between, uh, Hermione, am I right? And then hating each other. Yeah. <laughs> it never happens in the same book. <laughs> Uh, then then you have the scenes where they're talking and I noticed this Emma Watson always looks out of breath oh yeah she just really <laughs> looks like she's always <laughs> on edge and I guess that there are intense things happening usually while she's in these movies but I found it funny when she's just explaining to Harry what's been happening this summer she yeah. looks really distraught there's a lot of stares in Grimald Place yeah. yep. Yep, yep, yep. she always looks really worried or really elated mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or like really kind of bitchy mm -hmm. which like not to you know, as the one female on this podcast, like tearing down <laughs> one of you. the main females in the Harry Potter universe. She's a great character, but it is just a thing when I watch the movies, which is just like, huh, there's a lot of really intense three emotions that mm -hmm. like they're directing her towards, which like, 
I think Hermione is much more complex than I that. I agree. But yeah, her facial expressions are always like, I'm really worried and distraught. Or what, is that your cat? Yeah. Uh, okay. Listeners at home, you may hear my cat meowing incessantly. Listeners at home, I've probably edited the cat out with my audio software. <laughs> try, try as you Toast can. Is, Toast has a lot of opinions. I've got RX elements. We'll make it happen. Nice. Uh, yeah, Toast just pooped. So <laughs> that means he's very excited. It's time to run around and meow. Oh, okay. Oh, I good. thought like, he just really wanted to be part of this conversation. Yeah. We get him a little kitty headphones he can talk about. <laughs> Hermione and Ron's relationship. I know the actor that played Crookshanks. He's my cousin. (laughs) Well, if Toast the Cat needs to run around and meow a bunch, I think it's only fitting that we take a pause here for a little bit of Wingardium Adriosa. Today's episode of Potterless is brought to you by a new sponsor, Buffy. Let's say hypothetically that over the summer you need to live with your aunt and uncle who pretty much hate you, and you also hate living in this house over the summer. But you need to make sure that when you're going to sleep, you can actually fall asleep and you're not super upset just stewing in your anger and letting that fester. How are you going to get a nice sound sleep every night? You're going to get great sheets and pillows and stuff for your bed with Buffy. Buffy has new naturally dyed eucalyptus sheets, and Kelly and I have them on our bed in New York, and oh my my goodness, I love them. I've been home for the past couple weeks for Thanksgiving, and I am not joking, I miss my sheets. Love my mom to death, but the sheets that I'm sleeping on currently are not that comfortable. The sheets that I have on my bed back at home, the Buffy sheets, are so soft, and they naturally cool you, which is great because I'm a very hot sleeper, so it's very nice to have a cooling, cozy bed sheet. The sheets are made from an ultra-smooth eucalyptus fiber that feels softer than cotton, which is fantastic, and all of their products are cruelty free and hypoallergenic, so there's no down feathers or animal products involved in their sheets or their pillows or their comforters. And their sheets are naturally dyed with plant-based ingredients like turmeric or pomegranate. We have the pomegranate ones, they're this awesome shade of pink. And normally that's really expensive, but Buffy is the first brand to make it easy and affordable, so that's great. And Kelly and I aren't the only people that love them. There's over 20,000 five-star reviews for Buffy. They have an average rating of 4.6 stars, so you can believe the hype. And Buffy offers a free trial, so you can try their products on your own bed at home for free before you commit to buying. And if you don't love it, just return it at no cost. If this sounds interesting to you, you are in luck because as a Potterless listener, you can get $20 off Buffy betting if you go to Buffy.co and enter the promo code Potterless. Again, go to Buffy.co, enter the promo code Potterless, and you'll save $20. So go to Buffy.co, enter the promo code Potterless, get some Buffy betting, and fall asleep quickly, soundly, and comfortably, even though you're in the Dursley's house today. And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me, others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally, so if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club 
is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are, so it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club, and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want, and then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me, and then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash potter. Listen, wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash potterless for 10% off your first purchase. So if you want to collect some cards or rip open some packs in a more transparent way, whether you're a sports nerd or a Pokemon nerd or all sorts of nerds like me, you can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Though, uh, Crookshanks is featured in, like, the next scene. Oh, I love that Yes, scene. my literal next note is the Crookshanks ear thing, which I don't think was in the books, but I thoroughly appreciate this. I yeah. love of that. Crookshanks getting the extendable ears is very fun. Yes. So, wait, okay, so question. Mm-hmm. Whose ears are those? Okay, so they are Don't laugh magical... at me, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is why we're here. Uh, they are a magical device... I don't know if Fred and George invented this one, but at least Fred and George use it. It's extendable ears. Fred and George, Ron's older brothers, they're very much into joke shops and all mm-hmm. of these little gizmos and gadgets and stuff. I always imagined them as ears made out of silly putty and you stretch them. But the way that they are in the movie is that it's almost like the tin can with a string (laughs) to another tin can where you can hear what's going on the other end. So it's just a magical device that allows you to hear something in another room. So, you know, like when you would play spy as a kid to try Mm -hmm. to overhear what your parents were saying at the parents' parties. Mm -hmm. It's basically that. But then the cat thinks it's a toy, which is fun. It is like perfectly shaped for a cat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is my first thought because I understood exactly what it was. But then I thought like the Weasley twins had taken like one each one had taken one of their ears off. (laughs) And then I was like, like, oh, no, he's not going to get that back. The cat's going to eat it. Well, if it had to be one of the twins, it would be George. Am I right, Daniel? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wait. Okay. wait. You have opinions on the Weasley twins? No. Oh, it's just that in book seven, George loses his ear. (gasps) Oh, (laughs) spoilers. So in the Grimold Place scene here it's done very quickly which I think makes sense for the movie because in the book it is incredibly drawn out and there's a lot of stuff that isn't really important and all of that but you do lose some really fun elements there's one very fun thing that's done when they're getting ready to go to school where Fred and George now that they are old enough start doing magic at home they at Grimald Place are just doing all of this magic all over the place when they don't need to Mm -hmm. and at one point in the books they're using magic to bring their luggage down the stairs but they mess it up and they just topple Ginny with all of their luggage and Molly (laughs) flips out on them which I think is very fun in the movie she yells at them for something else some other magic they're they just pop up behind in the house yeah Yeah. and it's not as much fun as Ginny getting wrecked 
attacked by their luggage from down the stairs. <laughs> Although, to be honest, so that's one of my favorite scenes. And then I was like, you know, if I just had magical powers and I just got the ability to just like use them willy nilly because I'm like 17, I would totally pull like a George. Oh, yeah. Like, I would totally be like a Weasley twin just like playing things. So I was like, it was one of the few things that felt like, oh, they are kids, like yeah. deep down, like because sometimes like big epic plots like this, are like, are they ever really children? Mm-hmm. You know, like everything's like on the line and there's death and emotions. And I was like, no, I just fuck around and like pop up in random places and like stuff like that. Yeah. The, the best parts of these movies are just like the kids hanging out in mm-hmm. the common room mm-hmm. or wherever, shooting the shit in like wizard land. Right. And uh, this movie's moves so quickly. There's not enough yeah. of that. Mm-mm. Uh, so I'm not one for like spinoffs or like, you know, like TV shows based off of movies because I think they're almost always stupid. But there's a part of me that like really wants to like have like um uh, like this like nice like spinoff of just like them doing like magic tricks and like hanging out in like the dorms <laughs> and like just being kids and doing stuff. Like, I don't know why. I just I really want that. It would be very fun. It would be great, especially if it was Fred and George centered. Totally. Yeah. Oh, no. Fred and George are the main characters. Fred, George, and Lee Jordan. Oh, yeah. Great. yeah. I'd watch that. Well, you ever watch, you ever watch the show Undeclared? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like that, but with like wizards and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to pirate a Girls Gone Wild video using magic. <laughs> <laughs> well, not quite like that, but <laughs> God damn it. I just, I just meant that it's like, like a, a silly quasi adult, like uh, college yeah, yeah. years kind yeah. of thing. No girls gone wild. <laughs> Which, ooh, so dated. Oh, yeah, right. What a time. What a time. <laughs> oh, I'm watching MTV Two and it's past midnight, so now the girls gone wild commercials are gonna come on. Oh, baby. <laughs> I do remember that man. Let me see those boobies with the blue animated stars that rotate <laughs> over the nipples. Sh- shut the door to my bonus. Room. <laughs> <laughs> my parents don't see. They have the little smiley faces on the mm. nipples too. Yeah, and then they're playing those steel drums in the background. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like what was with that like weird music? <laughs> we told a bunch of girls that are barely eighteen to take off their clothes, and we paid them twelve dollars. <laughs> Production of that show is like illegal, right? Like we can't do that anymore. No way! How could they? I don't know. I feel like socially we couldn't do it anymore, but I don't think it's particularly illegal. I could be wrong. Okay. Um, fans listening, look it up. (laughs) Don't. We're all glad that they're gone. It is really weird, though, because it was like, I remember, like, okay, a brief interlude into Girls Gone Wild. <laughs> of course, no, we're going to go down this rabbit hole for 30 minutes. I'm here to take a couple of detours on this podcast that are interesting but delightful. Um, the creator of Girls Gone Wild, he, like, went on the Tyra Banks show. Oh, <laughs> Tyra! Shut up, I love the Tyra Banks show. But anyway, he went on that show, and she was asking him about that, and he's like, well, all the girls signed the contracts, and then, like, the next day, we even give them, like, when they've sobered up, like we asked them again if they're okay with like being on this video and so like he's like it's okay because they've consented like two or three times and i was like i guess that makes sense but that's still kind of weird that like your boobs are out yeah he's also probably lying right uh, he might be lying uh, I, I, don't trust him. I don't know yeah he's tracking down every person at a bar <laughs> <laughs> i also don't every know this Trump guy's name girl. but i'm gonna guess his name is trevor 
and I'm going to Google uh, founder of I think it's Girls Zach. Gone Wild. <laughs> and let's see what his name <laughs> is. Uh, Joseph Francis. And he looks exactly like you would imagine him. <laughs> <laughs> is he wearing a muscle tee that says Han Swolo? <laughs> no, but he's just either got in the photos I'm seeing, really bad spiky hair, yeah. or really bad swoopy hair, Ugh. and a smile that says, I try to convince young women to take off their clothes, and I promise them that it's a good decision. <laughs> <laughs> you could tell all that by his face. Yeah, it's, it's really, quite the smile. Yeah. <laughs> if you showed me a photo of this person and said, what does he do professionally? I would say, that's the founder of Girls Gone Wild. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. So anyway. So anyway, Harry Potter. <laughs> they start to get into more of the serious elements of what's at stake here. And they allude to trying to figure out this quote unquote weapon as Harry identifies it that Voldemort is after, the prophecy. They don't go into it in great detail at all in the movie. They kind of just brush by it. And you get some Gary Oldman is serious trying to be a cool godfather moment. But here's something he messes up. Gary Oldman can't wink. He tries to <laughs> wink at Harry um, and uh, it doesn't go well for first Gary. First of all, pump your brakes because everything <laughs> Gary Oldman slash Sirius Black does is perfect. <laughs> the optimal wink is kind of fucking it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's serious Black, man. Yeah, okay. okay. That's true, true, true. A scene that they do get rid of that makes me really sad is there's this heart-wrenching scene but in a good way in grim old place in the books where molly weasley is upstairs cleaning everybody's doing all this cleaning and she finds a bogart in the bookcase and bogarts they show you your worst fear so the kids walk in on molly experiencing her worst fear which is all of her children dying including harry as well oh. and it's this really heart-wrenching and sad scene but it is one of the first true instances of proof that molly truly views harry as one of her own and is an extension of her family and it is sad but it warms your heart and they just got rid of this whole thing from the movie which made me a little bit upset just because i think it's really important again it's just some of the deeper relationships are just wiped from the movie oh and yeah mm -hmm. i don't think you ever truly understand how important harry is to the weasleys and vice versa through the movies because in the books it's really made clear that they are his found family and it's a really nice thing for him to have yeah i miss stuff like that i think it would have been amazing to see that and i think that the, I, I don't know. I think that's a little bit like, were they cutting it out because it's a kid's theme? I mean, it's not super kidsy, but you know what I mean? Right. Like somebody being shown their deepest fear, which is all of their children dying, might be intense for like the 12 year olds that go and see the movie. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I would have loved to have seen that. And I think that would have really solidified for me exactly what you're talking about. That like, yeah, he is part of that family and he and Ron are brothers, right? Even though there is no blood between them they are a family and harry kind of fits into that world except for bad blood when they argue about dumb things yeah. <laughs> well that's just that's siblings right yeah i mean we all argue think about all of our relationships with our siblings or like our childhood best friends like those arguments were dumb mm -hmm. but intense oh yeah i would get in fights with people in college and both of us would forget what we were fighting about <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> i can't remember why i'm mad at you but we're <laughs> mad at each other uh, so the next scene you have 
Arthur and Harry going to the ministry for Harry's trial. Oh, can I rewind you for a second? Please <laughs> do. One sec- I want to point out two things. Uh, Tonks is entertaining mm-hmm. everyone in the room. That is, they're all over like 16 by turning her nose into a pig <laughs> and duck face. Yeah, I saw that. I liked that. <laughs> ah! <laughs> I thought it was cool. I loved it. Well, is someone doing that to like, well, I'm trying to eat dinner next to him? No, thanks. <laughs> I think they were just doing that because they spend no time explaining who Tonks is or what she can do. Yeah. Whereas when you meet Tonks in the books, it's when they're getting Harry out of the Dursley's house and they explain, hi, I'm Ninfedora Tonks. I'm a metamorph magus. I can change my appearance, blah, 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 blah. In the movie, just, well, we got to prove it somehow. How about she does some peekaboo for adults and changes her face <laughs> into animals at the dinner table. <laughs> Yay, do it again, do it again. <laughs> the other thing that I'd like to make note of is that they're having like their secret rebel base meeting where they're all talking in hushed tones mm-hmm. over the dinner table. <laughs> There's like six beers on the table. <laughs> oh, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> They're like, hey, uh, we got to plan something to defeat Voldemort. But first, who wants a cold one? You, Lupus? All right. <laughs> Just call him Lupus. Lupus. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> lupus. <laughs> I don't know. But isn't that like reality, though? Like, come on, Daniel. If we were going to plot some dark stuff. I mean, we're drinking wine right now, talking to a podcast about Harry Potter. <laughs> this is and- pleasure, baby. <laughs> Yeah, okay, all right. So you wouldn't, you, you okay? So you're not like a take the edge off drinker? Uh, no. Okay, all right. So maybe they all are. Okay. Maybe not. Okay, there. well, that's British culture. <laughs> <laughs> do you speak from experience? I do. <laughs> the, the British liaison. Yep, that's me. I retract my complaint. <laughs> Every British person that is upset, direct all of your hatred towards Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my Twitter handle is Mike.Schubert. <laughs> I wish I had that one. You kidding me? Mike Schubert's like John Smith in Germany. I can't get my name on anything. Boo. Really? Is your uh, is your last name popular? Yeah, it's very common over in Germany. I didn't know you were German. I, yeah, I'm a mix of a bunch of stuff. I'm okay, I a quarter that. German, a quarter Irish, a quarter Czech, and then a little bit Austro-Hungarian. Hmm. Mm-hmm. See, I saw the Czech and I saw the Irish. I didn't see the German. Ah, well, if you've ever seen me put down a sausage or hate the Jews, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, that does remind me of a moment where you're just really yeah. bro- broing down on a sausage talking about Jewish marriage. I want to thank everyone for listening to the last episode of Potterless. <laughs> Germany, I'm just kidding. I love you. <laughs> I know you're not all them. <laughs> Uh, but. All right, Ministry of Magic. <laughs> okay, so on the Ministry of Magic, I just got a question for the group. Mm-hmm. Did anybody find that like wholly unsatisfying? Oh, just the experience of going there? Yeah, just like, I don't know. It's like something about like the conversation that they were having, like him standing before all of the people. And I was just like, I feel like there's probably more to this in the book. Yes. Oh, so much more. I just saw like there were a couple of cursory questions. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but like, this is like, he's before the Ministry of Magic and he's talking about Dementors. Like, this should be like a real thing where everybody's like, we need to figure out what you're like talking about. But it just happened so fast. And I was like, this just seemed really like, yeah. Yeah. So part of it is it is a rushed and botched trial because Cornelius Fudge, the Minister of Magic, he's just trying to deflect blame onto anyone he can because he is in denial that Voldemort is actually back because Voldemort came back at the end of the fourth book. Killed Cedric. And Harry has been outspoken that he's back and Fudge doesn't want anybody to know that 
Voldemort is back. So when Harry has this situation, he's trying to do whatever he can to put Harry in a bad spot and get him out of the picture because he and Dumbledore are the two people talking about Voldemort being back. Yeah. Which is a disturbance of the peace. So that's part of it of why the trial is so unjust and unfair and why they're just trying to get through it. But there is still more explanation in the book between Arthur and Harry where Arthur is explaining the trial, how it's going to work, when Harry has to go, all this other stuff. And it's incredibly rushed in the movie. Mm. Yeah. No, no, I, I figured that out later on. Like I kind of pieced it together while all this was happening. I kind of inferred some of it, but just like I would have really have loved to have just actually have seen that, just knowing that like he's trying to skirt everything under the rug. Mm-hmm. And I can really like just freaking sense that from him from like the minute Harry walks into that courtroom, right? Mm -hmm. Like I want him to be fidgeting. I just want to feel like everything about this trial is wrong and demented (laughs) and, pardon the pun, um, (laughs) but they're not really like addressing it kind of like um the uh the netflix series when they see us which is all about like the central park five now the exonerated oh, five right, anyway right. long story short is like there's a trial going on and these kids are like 12 years old and it's like a serious trial and the whole time you're watching this you're just thinking somebody has got to say that this is wrong and this is totally doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. and yet what happens happens right and it's like i wanted a very similar thing to happen in the harry potter like universe right where it's like during this trial where it's like it's obvious that something is wrong we know wholeheartedly that this is about politics and they're trying to skirt the truth under the rug and people just won't own up to it and that like that anger that rises up out of like knowing that like the frustration that rises up out of seeing that and it didn't happen it was just like again was like how that happened in the book they do a little bit of a better job with it because the character who you see in the trial she's the one that's asking a lot of the questions is uh madam bones she is the mom of one of harry's classmates i'm sorry can i just call a quick timeout yes and just say wouldn't Madame Bones just be a great like brothel name? Mm. Like, like she owns a brothel and she's called Madame Bones. Yeah, Madame Bones. add it to the list. Yeah, or like, or like a voodoo priestess, like Madame Bones. Like either works, either works. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's very I just good. love Don't these ap- names. Do I not love apologize. the names. But she in the books is more clearly trying to take Harry's side. And it's even a rumor. I was on MuggleCast and Eric, one of the hosts there, has a theory because Dumbledore, when he comes in, mentions that by a happy accident, I happen to be three hours early because they moved the trial without really telling anybody and giving them enough heads up. Mm -hmm. His theory is that Madame Bones leaked to Dumbledore that they were moving the trial so that he was there on time. So that's a fun thing. So I think the book does a better job of her sort of taking... Harry's side of it and at least trying to make the trial more fair than it is and it's kind of done in the movie but again like Daniel talked about it's one of those things just like with Mrs. Fig where you only really get it if you're watching the movie and then you go oh that's Madame Bones because they never tell you that's who she is or what's happening yeah yeah uh, I, I just imagine that Dumbledore is a lonely guy that just hangs out at the Ministry of Magic. <laughs> like, so yeah, yeah, just pretend like you were a busy dude, Dumbledore, and happen to come down. <laughs> okay, so of all the things in this movie that were just kind of like, I got to say, I really loved Dumbledore in this one. He oh, yeah. was much better in this one than the fourth. In the fourth movie, he is bonkers and just yells all of his lines. He's a lot better in this one. Yeah, he's. I just, I just love, he's like... Um, 
he's very uh, reserved, but you know, he, he reminds me a lot of like an Ian McKellen type, right? Or like a Gandalf type. Sure. Um, where it's just like totally aware of what's going on, can play the fool when it like suits his favor, but is always well aware of what's going on. And a good winker. <laughs> a great winker. He's a great winker. Both him and Gandalf wink very well. Sirius Black also does a good job, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I think that these movies, or uh, the plots of movies five, six, and seven, suit Angry Dumbledore a little bit better too, because mm-hmm. mm. uh, you know the OG Dumbledore was in what one and two, and he was a perfect, beautiful angel. He's everything Dumbledore should be. And then they got the new guy, and he's all yelling at kids and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the circumstances of this movie, where it's like he needs to be intentionally distant and cold and a little weird, suit that actor better. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes. But sense. I also think that's also just a good progression of that character right like the one that you think is so benevolent has some darkness in them and as this plot unfolds of course they get that way i i love dumbledore and that was one of my favorite moments when they're just like the trial's been moved he goes oh i just happened to be here three hours early and i was like dude no you weren't but i love that you're here and that you're just like doubt me (laughs) it's very good it's very good before we get into the trial there is one thing that they change about this whole trip to the ministry that doesn't make any sense first thing very minor arthur doesn't know how turnstiles work when they're going into the public transit which doesn't make any sense because arthur is to bring his kids at king's cross station every year and he's a lot of kids makes no sense at all but then also (laughs) when they use the visitor entrance in the movies they have to go to a telephone booth and then they type in magic on the phone which is a bad (laughs) password but it makes more sense than what they do in the movie because in the movie he just says oh let me get my muggle money and just puts money into the thing and then it works imagine if you were just a British person trying to make a phone call and you put coins into this telephone booth and then you're just inside of the Ministry of Magic? Uh. <laughs> this is like this is a spin-off, right? This is a spin-off episode. <laughs> what happens when a muggle winds up in the ministry? Oh, we got another one. Get the spray bottle. <laughs> <laughs> What is the spray bottle filled with? Just vinegar. <laughs> I did appreciate the detail of uh, Arthur standing in the middle of an escalator blocking the entire thing. Uh, <laughs> the worst kind of tourist. That's right. That uh, If you stand in the middle of escalators and don't walk, that's you. You're Arthur Weasley. You stand on the right, you walk on the left, and that's the only thing that's allowed. Thankfully, New York has all of this together, and... Unfortunately, New York has it too much together that when I go to other cities, they don't do it. And it hurts my soul so much. Like 20% of people in Seattle know how to use an escalator. (sighs) Bezos. So they changed the whole visitor entrance thing because the point of it is that you're supposed to get this name tag that explains why you're there and then it goes in. But they just go and they're in the ministry and it's fine. It's just why did you even bother showing it? I don't understand. They should have just flew networked in if they weren't going to actually have to go through the visitor registration process. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. They then go and the trial actually happens. And I got to say, Fudge's outfit and all the other people on the wizen gamut, their outfit, those hats, they're like (laughs) popes or cardinals, but wizards. Oh my gosh. I was just going to say they're very much like the Pope's mitre. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely love it. So that trial was like the beginning of like a couple of like ideas and echoes for me, which I thought was Mm. really interesting. So like when Harry's talking and I forget who says it, it's one of those. 
fucking people that's like the laws can be changed if necessary that's fudge mm. and so it's the idea that like someone is trying to like defend themselves like defend their life but they have to break laws and your response is not in service of like the human aspect or like what it means to be human right it's about like sort of the status quo which we'll I will talk a lot about that a little bit later. But then there's the whole idea that like you can just change the laws, mm. right? If that they don't um suit what's happening, right? And I was like that's really dark and like kind of weird and really uncomfortable. Yeah. I kept a list of uh things that this movie has that are relevant in the world of 2019. Yeah. <laughs> because yes. there's a lot. There's it's a lot bonkers. of stuff. I mean, the movie in the book is about a corrupt government and here we are. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Surrounded by corrupt governments on all sides. That's like right. seriously, like And Harry Potter is our last hope, the last anti-fa super soldier. <laughs> yeah. Harry, Harry Potter in Canada. <laughs> like, that's it. Uh, so you get an amazing moment, which is Dumbledore entering. Of course, the first line that he has is him being very angry, and then he's a little more chill, but he comes in and goes, witness for the defense! <laughs> strolls in, and then he says his whole name. Oh, baby. Is very good. It's fantastic, because it's Albus Percival Wolfric Brian Dumbledore, right? Yeah, that's right. What I gotta say, though, I take back... Every bad thing I've ever said about Michael Gambon, the person who plays <laughs> this Dumbledore, because he takes a roughly 87 minute pause before saying Brian, and it's so good. He's doing, it he's is doing so crowd good. work. Albus Percival Wolfric. Brian. <laughs> Dumbledore. Oh, it's so he good. He drops his voice like two octaves yeah. and like wiggles his yes. eyebrows <laughs> towards the Jerry. He's like, you love oh, this. <laughs> I do remember that. And I just remember being like, they couldn't get another take. <laughs> but Brian. No, it's perfect. It's so good. It's so good. He just walks up to the jury, takes all their hands, starts kissing them and shit. <laughs> You're going to love this. <laughs> You guys get it? Because the rest of my names are very silly. <laughs> but then Brian is a normal name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so fantastic. Dumbledore is very good in this scene. Mm -hmm. He annihilates the court. They got nothing on him. Yeah, it's very Tom Cruise in, which one is it? A Few Good Men? What's the You Can't Handle Risk the Truth yeah, it's, movie? It's, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's Days of Thunder. <laughs> he slides in wearing just a button-down shirt and no pants. Yeah, spins around and says, Witness for the defense. My name's down. Tom Brian Cruz. <laughs> no, it, it is in fact, um, uh, I was just about to say, as good as it gets, no? <laughs> which he wasn't even in, but Jack Nicholas, Jack Nicholson was in. Anyway, it, it is a few good men. Okay, good, good, good. But I do enjoy the whole scene. Dumbledore kills it. I'm sad that there's no Percy Weasley in this because specifically the books mention that Percy is the scribe and he has new horned rimmed glasses, oh. which I wanted to see, but alas. He's got that Ministry of Magic money. Mm, <laughs> he does. He's got a job now. He can buy things. Okay, uh, so Mrs. Fig comes back in that, right? Yes, she does. Mrs. Fig is one of the witnesses that Dumbledore brings into play. Okay, what is her 
point. Her point is because she witnessed the Dementor attack happen. Sure, but I, I don't know. I just was like, cool. You're, it, it was just another like, oh, you're here again. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. I was <laughs> like, I get it. You're supposed to be important, maybe. But it was like, I got one scene with you earlier now, where you told me who you were. And then I just, it's like a bad improv scene. I, I think it's it's, like if you have to tell somebody where you are and why you're here, it's like, it's not good. I think she's there solely to get Fudge to say the like, I can change laws line. She's there to be, be like, these people have absolutely no case. They're mm-hmm. like, well, we need a witness. We got one. We need we need all this stuff. Okay. You get it. Okay, fair enough. I don't know. I, Mrs. Fig is very problematic for me because I just feel like she pops in and she pops out. Yeah, she doesn't really. Yeah. <laughs> like she's she's very like milk toast in that respect, right? Like, like she could be there, she could not be there. Mm-hmm. Right? Like she's like, I can't not make other references and be she's like the Wesley Crusher, where it's like <laughs> <laughs> like anything. You I just have no be, idea who that is. Oh my god! Okay. <laughs> Mike, I got your next podcast for you, which is like okay. grown man watches Star Trek TNG for the first time mm. and talks about every we'll episode. Call it uh, "Live Short and Didn't Prosper." <laughs> <laughs> okay, sold, sold. Boom. No, but um, I don't know. I got a real problem, and this is my main problem. Anytime there's like a movie that's based off of a book, or vice versa, but usually if it's a movie that's based off of a book, is like there's a lot of characters that you spend a lot of time with that you love that pop in and out, like in a movie, and then it's just not it's it's not as engaging or as interesting, and you kind of end up, at least for me, and I, other fans out there might agree or disagree. Like when you spend so much time with a book and characters and like they come to life before your imagination and then when you watch the movie and the movie's lackluster, when you go back and like revisit the book, there's a little tarnish off of that beautiful vision in your brain. And so for me, like I didn't read the books, but just like seeing like characters like Mrs. Fig and like you're talking about there's some other characters that just didn't show up or like Mm -hmm. got really run over, right? That's just not as much fun. Right. And and it's just kind of like to like why I'm just doing sound effects to express my emotions. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really weird, especially for me not reading the books to like come in and be like, I guess this person's important, but they just seem so like in and out that like I don't give a shit. Yeah. And it's like I wanna like Mrs. Fig. Her name's nice. She's like this little tiny old British lady and I want to think that she's secretly like a badass. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, I don't have any of that. She's just like there and then not there they squoze her in there they she's technically in the movie yeah yeah and i'm just like i don't know it's like not not into it yeah i feel you so something that is very well done in this scene is that umbridge is here and the actress that plays umbridge is very good and she's done a whole bunch of other stuff as well but she is so good at making you just absolutely hate her, which oh, is the yeah. whole point of Umbridge. Uh-huh. I think she's an, the best crafted villain that I've ever come across is Dolores Umbridge. And man, she, the actress that plays her steals the show. She is so hateable. Mm. Yeah. You just want to punch her the whole movie. Yeah. She's great. Which is the point, And it's so good. Was that? Ugh. Okay. So question for the group. Mm-hmm. So that little laugh that she does, is that in the book? Yes. Specifically, her trademark thing is that she goes hem hem to interrupt people. And that's her calling card of a really annoying sound to get someone's attention, mm-hmm. which I think is incredibly effective. Hem hem, oh, it's chills. Oh, it's yeah. so hem hem. I'm talking. Hem hem. <coughs> mm-hmm, pretty much. Hem hem. Come to my chambers. 
There are no secrets in here, just lies and mendacity. You were absolutely on the money with that. Like, I was like, from the second she just like cleared her throat and started talking, I was like, bitch, <laughs> you are the worst. Like, she reminds me, literally, she reminds me of every person I have actively hated in my life. Mission accomplished. Yeah, like, and it was one of those things, like, oh, you're the worst. And I was like, Damn, that's good. Like yep. I, from the actress, per, like an actorly perspective, like I love that. Mm-hmm. Like the part of me that's like, oh, but she's totally doing her job as an actor is great. But I was like, you need to leave now. Mm-hmm. Like the person who wants to enjoy this movie is like, you're the worst lady. So I was like, damn, she did a great job. Just ugh. her name is Emelda Staunton. Emelda Staunton. Emelda Staunton, which is the most British name ever. I don't I know. Think? I don't know. It's no Hestia. Hestia Jones. <laughs> <laughs> to this movie's credit, like the thing that it needed to nail was Umbridge, and they did it. Yes. Right. Yeah. She honestly, I don't know if she got any awards for this, but I think she could have gotten best supporting actress did noms the, for this. So I feel like all of the Harry Potter movies kind of came before this idea that like fantasy or comic book movies could be considered like Academy Award yeah, worthy. I think so. I think so. But I agree with you. I thought she did a great job and I just think it was at a time where like movies like that, quote unquote, were not considered Academy worthy. Right. But they do so many things well. I thoroughly enjoyed her as that character. I appreciated the part of the scene where they're like, all right, all those in favor of conviction and then exclusively the bad guys in the room raise their hand. Yeah, I know. <laughs> all the that. evil people are like, oh, we've got to get this kid. <laughs> oh, shoot. Yeah, but Imelda, great job. You killed it. You were very convincing. Props to you. Hated you so much. If you're listening, yeah. If you're listening out there, we hated you and loved you, Amel. Come on the show. Let's talk about it. Oh my god! Apparently, in some interviews, she's talked about that she hates Umbridge as much as you, so she has no sympathy for Umbridge at all. She's got to say that. I've seen some quotes where she it has an interesting thing on it because everybody hates her character so much. But again, that's the point. So I feel like people have a negative association with her probably as a person because you soon you're like, oh, you're Umbridge, girl, I hate you. It's like, she's a, probably a very nice woman. Yeah. Um, uh, the woman who plays uh, Cersei also has a similar problem. She went on Jimmy Kimmel and talked about that oh, yeah. where it's like people hate her. And it's like, no, I'm just an actress. So <laughs> I guess a job well done, almost yeah. too well done. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. that scene. I loved the introduction of Umbridge. From the second she entered, I was like, you're the worst. And I thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly appreciated that. That was one of my first moments where I was like, all right, I'm invested in this movie. Because before that, honestly, I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why did I say yes to being on this podcast with Mike? I've got two more hours of this movie and then we have to talk about it. Yo, legit. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. kidding. Uh, Well, I can't think of a better point to stop for this first episode of Potterless of the fifth movie. This has been very fun, and this is a good little ending note, but we will be further talking about this film in future episodes, but we'll wrap it here. Daniel and Jakiva, if people want to find you doing stuff, what would you like to talk about if people want to see more things from the both of you? Oh, boy, I got a, a, a <laughs> podcast that you can come listen to. I was on my, it. Oh. Mike's been on it. Jakiva's been on it. Mike yeah. watched The Santa Claus, and Jakiva watched The Lady Lady in the water. Ugh, so bad. <laughs> Worse than this movie. Not the Santa Claus. 
<laughs> no, that's a perfect film. But the podcast is called Third Act Saviors. And I don't know, if you're in Seattle, come to the Atlas Theater, home of CSC Seattle and Comedy Sports. Come see Jakeem and yeah, I do yeah. some improv. Um, the appropriate branding Oh boy, is here we go. <laughs> CSZ Seattle, home of Comedy Sports. Mm. The comedy Sports, the home of Atlas. <laughs> Atlas, where comedy sports is your home. (laughs) Shrug. (laughs) If people want to know more about me and what I do, I do a lot of things. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm a writer. I'm an actress. I have a TV show called Z-Sides. I have a magazine that is a literary magazine where I interview local poets and writers and I showcase their work. So if you want to know more about me and what I do, the best way to do that is to follow me on Instagram at wordlitzine. Don't say worldlitzine. It is wordlitzine, which is the name of the magazine. Um, So you can find out all about the cool stuff I'm doing right there. Also, you can just find me on Facebook and be my friend, Jakiva Phillips. Hmm. Wow, look at you putting that in the open. Russians get in on her Facebook friendship. Right? <laughs> oh, mind that t- data. <laughs> yeah, mind that data. Oh, my cats have an Instagram. <laughs> oh, Do they really? God. Wait, what? It is at Todd and to- or wait, sorry, Todd N Toast. T O D N T O A S T. Follow my cats on Instagram. Todd with one D. Yeah. Um, wow. His cats are also like weird. They're polydactyl. So if you want to see like a fucked up cat with a thumb. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, they're great. They're great cats. But I'm just saying if you want to see something weird, but also delightful and cute and cuddly and fun. That's right. You should check out. Oh, T-O-D-N-T-O-A-S-T dot com. It's <laughs> <laughs> not actually dot com. Oh, well, Jakeem and Daniel, thank you so much for coming on. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. And as they say in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, before they yell at Umbridge for being the worst, <laughs> wizard on! So this podcast is over, but if you're looking for something else that's really fun, why don't you check out Head Heart Gut from Multitude? It is our exclusive show for Multicrew members. If you go to multicrew.club and you sign up for the Multicrew, you get access to Head Heart Gut. It's the friendly debate show. I've been on debating a bunch of silly topics, and the next topic to be debated is with the Join the Party crew, and they are debating what is the best cutlery. So fork versus spoon versus knife. I hope that whoever represents the fork lets it be known that you can eat yogurt with a fork if you try hard enough. Again, go to multicrew.club club to check that out. Potterless was created by McShubert. It is hosted by McShubert. It is edited by McShubert. It is produced by McShubert as well as Vicky Garcia, Aaron Johnson, Jesse Horgan, Natalie Klobuchar, Char Klauser, Lopu, Frank, Chiodo, Marchismo, Samantha Rose, Wanson, Felio, Abid, Med, Rosemary, Dodge, Marie, Lisa C. Keen, Romina, Rivadanera, Camille Doc, Audra, Eleanor Curlin, Rossan, Batamana, Nikita Power, Taylor Armstead, Ali Madsen, Amelia Krause, Sarah Nink, Ben Silver, Rachel Guthrie, Zachary Polito, Orca Grove, Vivian the Owl, Takari Rant, Haley Hastings, Moster, Angelina Withred, Caitlin Sullivan, Grace Riggles, Raul Pineda, Inga Nodstadter, Mari Wynn, Alex Consilver, John Cocker, Noel Basile, Tao, Emily Tyrell, Robin Fernandez, Will Barrington, Liz Bigelow, Brandon Pickens, Sarah Enslin, Claire Spencer, Rory Collier, Gloria Gillen, Alicat29, Veronica Vartova, Lada Bartova, Noah, Tracy Toya, Colleen, Jennifer Markley, Friday, Jace Fenson, Ivor Peterson, Naomi Guglielmo, Tyler Latra, Summer Rathel, Heather Fleischman, Vera Colotham, Carrie D. Baggison, Andrea Crock, Lisa Grieven, Lynn Walker, Cameron Watkins, Justin Montero, Christine Saunders, Jacob Parrish, Toothless Walnut, Maya Gray, Mark Body, Polly Burge, Netta Atabani, Remy Fontaine, Sarah Shecker, Nona VM, Zina Rosanowski, Harlan Haskins, Noelia Addy, Brian, Jenny Campion, Nikki Harris, Cara Hamilton, Courtney Hemwood, Kine, Amanda Alfred, Sabrina, Alicia McLaren, Kafir Shaltiel, 
Andy Plackey, Martha Madueno, Benjamin Desmond, Sarah Shetter, Marta Morrison, Stephanie Magnuson, Justine Wade, Aaron Richter, CJ Ochoco, Eileen Gazesh, Violet Sullivan, Kat Yowell, Lindsay Towning, Fielding Lee, Keegan Curran, Miranda Manning, Gail Ann, Mr. Folk, Adam Bryant, Christine Welton, Maya, Zachary Davis, Kieran, Heaven, Christy, Lily Leader Williams, Wire Warrior 4976, Floor Sake, Cirrus Kiaras Ford, Georgia, Itzel Aime Ayala, Peter Wyckoff, Kenny Kane, Skylar Lily, Ed O'Ryan, Professor Threat, Kelsey Lesian, Ellie Huskovchova, Lubin Maleo, Akinwande, Lena Karen, Daniel Fulkerson, Lee Lili, Elizabeth Christofferson, Abby, Luca Faccio, Michael David Yordi, Nice Earmuffs Potter, Did Your Mum Make Them For You? Cara Hoyer, Tiffany Cottrell, Kelly Otilio, Nadia Vansgard, Carrie Crumpler, Jamie Kingston, Camilo Garcia, Connie Bienkowski, Mary Mateel, Jennifer Went, Anastasia Blake, Jaden Allman, Nedry OS, Matt Barger, Riley Lane, Will Husser, Zephyr Lawrence, Brett Clausen, Samantha Lentz, Kayla M. Simino, Lauren Wainwright, Aurora Fruhoff, Emma Clark, Hermione Snape, Megan Dick, Out of Context 69, Liam McCormick, Melena Brandle, Marco Cepeda, Ella Robertson, Hannah Zeters, Cordy Spilker, Victoria McCormick, Marie Rieger, Ashton Gabrielson, Brittany Gutierrez, Phelan, Julie Walton, The Meadows Family, Jennifer From the Block, Anna Penalber Alvarez, Fake Valentine, Brianna Jordan, Karu Teru, Sarah Saunders, McKenna Tweedy, Six Awkward Nine, Anthony Ruiz, Peter Mina, Heather Langeal, Weekend of Dead Cat Ladies, Javi Guadalupe Trejo III, Darlene Kerr, Brad Harding, Thomas Chavara, Charlotte, Brianna Cusimano, Kevin Stewart, Lori McDonald, Patrick Cribben, Chrissy Two, Alex Romano, Bugaboo, Jarl Sviven, Haley Logan, Adam Graham, Emma, Ashley Enstrom, Peter McGrath, Sophie Duda, Jack McMahon, Jen and Rose Dowd, T Pixel Guy, Nicole Linzer, Out of Context 69, Callahan and Darius, Kylo the Husky, Leah Reed, Melissa Robb, Steamed Nuggets, and Kurt Potter, Web Design by Kelly Beckman, and the music is by Patina Campamanis. If you want to find us on social media, you can at Facebook.com slash Potterless, Twitter.com slash Potterless Pod, Instagram.com slash Potterless Podcast, or Reddit.com slash R slash Potterless. For any and all information about the show, you can go to PotterlessPodcast.com. For bonus content, you can go to Patreon.com slash Potterless. And for merch, you can go to bit.ly slash merch on. If you want to tell someone about the show, whether it's in person or a review online, that helps so much. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, as they say in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, Wizard on! Thank you.